I was playing with my friend, my neighbor, so I was close to home. And then my fingers started closing one by one. And then her mom sees that something's off. When she tries to open my hand, I remember just fainting. So that's when I had the seizure. The story is my friend ran to my house to grab my mom. In the car, I guess I was laying in my mom's arms, and I hear her voice saying, are you okay? Talk to me. I heard her, but I couldn't respond. I do want to dive right in, but I want to hear a little bit about where did you come from? Where were you raised? Because I know you're from Brazil, yeah. but I want more. Okay, I can give you more. <laughs> I'm Brazilian. I was raised in a very small town called Virginópolis. It's in the state of Minas Gerais, uh, which is a beautiful state filled with mountains. So I grew up surrounded by nature and horses. I was just oh, back so in Brazil nice. and um, seeing my son now, Kai, obsessed with horses as well, makes me so happy. So I grew up in a very small town, very simple life, very humble life. And I moved to the U.S. when I was 14 with my family. Mm -hmm. And we moved to Pennsylvania, Scranton. Oh, wow. Is there, Scranton. <laughs> is there nature there? Well, my mom moved because my uncle was there and he had like a okay. restaurant business, da-da-da. Uh, it was after my parents got divorced. Mm -hmm. Moving to the U.S. at 14, it was a culture shock, of course, especially Scranton. <laughs> I mean, if I moved to Miami, it would be, be more similar. I would feel like, yeah, it would be an easier uh, transition. It was definitely a culture shock. But I remember at the time, I I was up for it. Like, I loved I loved changes since I was little. I loved change. I was not the type of kid that was like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to move because of my friends. I remember when I moved from Brazil, I cried so much. I had a, a volleyball team. I was devastated, but at the same time, excited. And I'm mm. still like that. I love changes. Um, is it the way your mom framed it for you? Or do you feel you framed it for yourself? I think I framed it for myself. Definitely, you know, my mom has a lot to do with it, like how she raised us. But I remember being excited for my new chapter. And, mm -hmm. well, you know, even though it was really hard, like I felt very different in school um, I mean, I was one of few Latinas in school. Like, it was a very white school. But still, like, I dressed completely different. I didn't speak the language when I moved. I you didn't, didn't speak, speak English. Any English. Wow. Yeah, it was very raw and real. And at 14, <laughs> yeah. which is like a very, it's a fragile age, I yeah. feel and for it a was girl. Also, sensitive time for me, too, because of my epilepsy, which we. We can speak about it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I loved it. And just a little bit like uh, about how I, my ears in Scranton. Mm -hmm. I, when I turned 15, so a year later, um, seeing my mom work so hard, you know, as an immigrant, as a single mother, basically. Um, we didn't have a lot of support for my dad, unfortunately. So seeing her work so hard made me want to be independent very early. And I remember, you know, she would give me, like, money on the weekend to go to the movies, go, you know, go out with my friends. And I felt bad taking money from my mom for some reason at 15. And I was like, Mom. And I discovered, <laughs> discovered that I could work around when I turned almost 16 or right. at 15, actually. So I decided to get a part-time job at a restaurant. So my first job was um, as a bus girl. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I remember carrying trays and like crazy. Were you good but at it? I was so good at it. I really? remember my boss was like, you are, and I felt so You're proud. You're natural. And I felt so proud. And I love telling this story because it definitely built me to who I am today and how like even, you know, when I employ somebody, like no matter what you do, mm -hmm. like work hard and do your best. I love it. So let's uh, let's dive into um, your uh, epilepsy because mm -hmm. the story, I mean, I see you, right, as a colleague. I see you out there. You have an amazing career. You have two brands. I'm actually wearing Ella Luz. <gasps> yes, oh, that's why you're skin. glowing. Yes. <laughs> uh, you have two amazing brands. You, um, you have the sweetest little boy. So you're a mother. Like so many things going on. And yeah. When I learn about your neurological condition, like about epilepsy, when you opened up about it, it was so 
interesting and powerful. Like to me, I wanted to learn more. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because, you know, when we see these people from the outside and everything looks yeah. like, oh, everything is so perfect. Like she knows what she's doing. But maintaining that and building to that while having a neurological condition like epilepsy, that's kind of the journey I want to dive into. Yes. So take me back to when were you diagnosed? So I was diagnosed at age nine. Um, I was very young. And I remember clearly the day that it happened, my first seizure. Each seizure I've had was different. But the first one, I remember clearly until it happened. Um, I was playing with my friend, my neighbor, so I was close to home. And I was very goofy. Like, I was a very goofy person. So when it actually happened and I told my friend that, we were playing and then my fingers started closing one by one without, I couldn't control it. I couldn't open them. So they started closing one by one. And then I'm like, something's going on. Help me. And she's like, stop kidding around. You know, she laughed at my face, which I understand because I was right. so goofy. I would prank her all the time. And then I run to her mom and then her mom sees that something's off. And when she tries to open my hand, I remember just fainting slowly. And I, to me, I just fell asleep. So that's when I had probably the seizure um, in her arms. And the story is my friend ran to my house to grab my mom. And the most difficult part of that first seizure for me until this day is remembering in the car. It still gets me emotional. <laughs> um, especially now that I'm a mom. Sorry. It's okay. Take your time. Okay, give me a second. Yeah. <clears throat> um, in the car. Shoot. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I mean, it's coming up for me. And it's like <laughs> the first time I'm hearing the story. So I can imagine. So in the car on the way to the hospital, I guess I was laying in my mom's arms. And I hear her voice saying, are you okay? Talk to me. And I, I heard her, but I couldn't respond. I oh, shoot. Sorry. I'm so emotional. I've said this story so many times, but I guess I keep thinking about my son. And then the funny part is I got to the hospital and I guess I was like slowly getting back to, you know, to me. Mm -hmm. And the doctor was asking my mom a bunch of questions. What's her date of birth? Da, da, da. And my mom couldn't, she was so imagine in, in shock mm -hmm. she couldn't even remember my birthday or anything or even my name I bet and then I remember just like oh February 27 88 and then my mom was like and the doctor was like oh your daughter's doing much better than you I went through all the exams but I remember at nine I was diagnosed I remember the doctor talking to me explaining you can have you know you're gonna have a normal life you're gonna play uh, the only thing you cannot do is drink alcohol. He said that to me at nine. At and nine. I was like, <laughs> whatever, you know. And honestly, at nine years old, it did not affect me at all at that point. I was like, okay, I have a condition. I'm going to take a medicine every night. I'm going to be okay. I can play. I can still play. I can be a normal child. Thankfully, my type of epilepsy, there's different types. Mm -hmm. The one I have is called dysrhythmia. And... It's a very controlled one. So meaning if I take medicine, it's rare that I'll have a seizure on medicine. So mm. thankfully, there's one out of 26 people in the world who have epilepsy, for those who don't know, which is a shocking number. Yeah. I mean, probably a lot of people you talk to have epilepsy. They just don't talk about it. Wow. There's a lot of us. And, you know, thankfully, most of us get to live a normal life mm -hmm. because we have a controlled type of epilepsy, meaning controlled by medicine. But there is a lot of people who have epilepsy and still on medicine, they don't know if they can have a seizure tomorrow, right? They can have a seizure anytime. Still, I say that mine is controlled, but there are a lot of things that you have to do to take care of it. Mm -hmm. For example, I know I need to sleep well. I can't be overtired, overstressed. All those things trigger. And I know like if I get some signs of a lot of headache or a lot of anxiety, it means it could be coming. Right. So then it's when like I need to stop and be like, oh my gosh, I need to slow down. You know what's amazing? And maybe now that 
we are mothers. I get to think that way, but you know, for your mother not to, and maybe she was very scared and very unsure and would didn't know how to approach this, but for her not to put you in this kind of victim mentality, right? To try to protect you at all costs, because when you hear something is wrong with your child, it's like mama bear yeah. all the way, right? You're like, okay, you can't do this. You can't do that. That might trigger. You don't know. Yeah. So it's amazing to me that your mom was strong enough not to go there. Because mm -hmm. I have friends that had different diagnoses with different diseases or conditions. And you can see how the way the parents handled it really contribute to a lot of things that they're dealing with today, yeah. hardships that they're dealing with yeah. today. So did you ever talk to your mom about that? So my mom, she acted like everything was normal, which is great. It's exactly what you're talking about. But one thing she did, and I think it was to protect me because this, I mean, this was over 20 years ago, right? Almost 25 years ago. The stigma on epilepsy was even, I mean, it was like, I remember talking about epilepsy, like with neighbors, would be like, people would think you're, if you have epilepsy, you're a bit crazy, right? Or mm. it's something that comes from, even from the demons. Like, I have so many stories I can tell you about, like, what people really thought about what epilepsy was. When I came out about epilepsy, it's when mm. I actually got so many feedback and stories about people saying, like, this happened to me, this happened to me. Like, I lost my job when my boss found out I had epilepsy because he th really? thought I was incapable. Or uh, a story of a board member from epilepsy. I'm a board member today of Epilepsy Foundation. Uh, one of our members, his dream was to be a priest, and he's an epileptic. He wasn't able to be a priest because of epilepsy. What was the stigma? Number one, there's different types of epilepsy, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that each one, like all of us have the same thing. And like, I am able to do anything I want. Mm -hmm. My brain processes things perfectly. Uh, of course, there are people who can't. Like they have so many seizures a day that it goes backwards. You go back to being a child. So I feel like when people think about epilepsy, they view it as like, okay, it looks like this one thing. Yeah, they don't know but that the, the biggest stigma I feel is... The seizure. When people think about epilepsy, they think about the seizure. The person laying on the floor, shaking, that scene. Mm -hmm. And then the stigma comes, like, especially when I talk about the priest, why? And my biggest question is, why couldn't you become a priest? Mm -hmm. Because in the Catholic religion, they see epilepsy as a something from the demon. Like you're possessed or possessed, something. Possessed, yeah. So, like, that's crazy to me, right? I mean, through the years, he was able to meet with the Pope. Get the stamp of changed. approval. <laughs> yep. That changed. So today, you know, if I have epilepsy, you're able to be a priest. But anyway, there's so much stigma. And what I was saying is my mom, then, the only thing she told me was like, Camilla, you don't have to share this with anybody if you mm -hmm. don't want to. You're going to get to live a normal life. So... You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. And mm -hmm. I think that was a way to protect me. And I never did. And I didn't do it because she told me to. But I I just felt like that. Like, I don't need to share because I'm okay, you know? Right. This at nine years old. And I, I kept that in my mind. And I understand why, right? She wanted mm -hmm. to protect me. Mm -hmm. But although she didn't limit me on anything. Like, she saw me. And I always felt like she saw me as a normal child. Right. Like I never felt like, oh my gosh, my mom is not letting me do this because I have epilepsy. I, she never made me feel that way. So when you were developing your self-identity, um, being diagnosed at a young age, the fact, I mean, I think that your mother didn't make a big deal out of it. You didn't have really much information. You just knew you have this, but there wasn't all this, you know, background yeah. for you to know. Yeah. I guess it wasn't something that was part of the way you were thinking of yourself, right? Like you weren't thinking yeah. in terms of, okay, it I'm didn't, yep. sick or anything no, like that. No, it didn't bother me until I moved to the U.S. Culture changed. I already felt different, a bit like insecure. And then I started making friends, okay, feeling better. But the epilepsy thing started bothering me a little bit when my friends started going out and they were drinking. I mean, underage, mm. but they drink, you know. Right. 
parties. And then people, my friends would be like, oh, you're not going to drink. So I never, I was never able to drink because I take the medicine. And then, you know, questions that maybe people don't mean to be harmful, but it hurts you because you already have that insecurity, right? So, well, why don't you drink? Are you scared? Do you have a problem? Or, what? you know, little comments like that started to make me feel more insecure and different, right? Mm -hmm. And then... To a point that I took the medicine off by myself without telling my mom, my doctor. And I had an episode in school in front of everybody. Oh, my God. It was a necessary thing for me because I was suffering. But my mom didn't even know about it. So when I had the episode in school, I woke up in the hospital and I instantly crying because I already knew I had the episode. Like, I'm like, and I'm in the hospital. Was it the same thing where you just... Different. Completely different. Okay. And it's odd to be different. I remember walking into school. I had a very, very heavy headache that day, mm -hmm. that morning. And I drove to school. Thank God nothing happened while driving. And I remember going up, walking to inside the school, talking on the phone. I guess I was out while on the phone. I was still walking, doing things. I remember opening my locker, but I was out of it already. So I was kind of like sleepwalking, ghost, whatever. Right. So I was out. I do remember little scenes of it. It was if it was a dream. I remember people passing by. I remember opening my locker. I mean, you need a cold. So I did all that. I got my books. But then that's when a friend of mine passed by. She's talking to me and I'm like blank. And then she's like, something's wrong with her. And she's bringing me to the office. Yeah, the nurse, nurse office. Yeah. yeah, the nurse office. And on the way, I had a seizure with her. So when I wake up in the hospital, I'm crying. And I'm, I couldn't even look at my mom. I needed to tell her that I... I, she already knew. She's like, Camilla, they told me that you're either off the medicine or you're pregnant. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm definitely not pregnant. So I spoke with her and I'm like, mom, I'm so sorry. And in my mind, I was like, she's going to yell at me. She's going to be so mad. Like, why did I, I did something very, very irresponsible. Irresponsible. Mm -hmm. So I was so scared of my mom, but she was so wise. What she told me was like the conversation we needed to have since I started feeling insecure. Mm. She was like, Camilla, you're in the hospital right now and think about the amount of people who are fighting for their lives right now in this hospital. People who don't know if they're going to wake up tomorrow. You have a condition, yes. Maybe you don't accept it, but think that with only one little medicine a night, it will control what you have and you're going to be safe. So how lucky are you? I remember crying, of course, and I was like, I just hugged her and I was like, my gosh. You needed that wake I'm up so call. bad. Like I felt like, you know, I needed that. And that completely changed my perspective on epilepsy. And I started to feel lucky and blessed instead of feeling different and insecure, right? Mm. Um, of course, it didn't happen overnight, but... I kept thinking about what my mom told me. And I was like, you know what? I am not different. I started having even more, like a big, even more bigger connection with God. Like I felt really blessed. So I really needed that in my life. And after that, my relationship with epilepsy was so much better. As if, you know, it went back to when I was nine years old that I really didn't care about it. But still, I didn't talk about it. Again, because you just, you said if there's I, no... I only talked about it with very, very close friends, like best friends. Right. Or family that asked about it. And I remember when I talked to friends about it, I would cry. I would get emotional. So it means that it was still, it still bothered me somehow. It was a wound that wasn't really yeah. healed yet. No. Mm. So I started social media when I was about 22. And, you know, with social media, you know, we share. I started on YouTube, so mm -hmm. I shared everything about my life. Uh, and then came Instagram, and I've always talked about everything, but epilepsy was the one thing I never talked about. I was very open always about my personal life and everything, but I never talked about epilepsy. So my following, my community had no idea. Until 2019, 2018, I started thinking about being a mom and having kids. It was always my dream. And talking to my doctor, he told me, you know, with epilepsy, you have to really plan your pregnancy because of the medicine. You should be out of the medicine, da, da, da. I started thinking about being a mom and epilepsy. Epilepsy started being like a big thing for me again, right? So if you have epilepsy, if you want to conceive, you need to get off the epilepsy medicine? All my different doctors I've had through the years told me. And 
I definitely want to share this here that I got pregnant on medicine and today I have a healthy baby. But this whole process like was a huge thing for me. Like what my doctors told me through the years is if you have a baby on medicine, mm -hmm. the medicine could affect your baby and your baby could be born with problems. Doesn't mean that he's going to have epilepsy, but it could affect the health Other of your things, baby. Right. Wants that, right? I mean, even if you're not on medicine, you're already scared. Like yeah. if you have nothing, you're already scared of, about the health of your baby. So I was thinking about it and I'm like, if I get off the medicine, I could have a seizure, right? I mean, those nine months without the medicine, what am I going to do? You like I'm going to need to be... Yet. So talking to different people, I heard that, you know, there could be different opinions, but a friend, my manager, Hillary, she recommended me to... Her mom knew about one of the best dermatologists in the country, Dr. Davinsky in New York. And I was able to get um, uh, a, uh, my English, a meeting, not a, a meeting. meeting. Wait, a dermatologist? No, a neurologist. Oh, a neurologist. Okay. I was like, wait. No. Yes. Okay. Neurologist. I was able to get an appointment with him. Then that's when it shocked me, right? So I walk in, uh, he already had my tests. And he sits me down, he looks at my tests, and he's like, okay, so you want to get pregnant? I was like, yes, and that's the reason I'm here. I want to talk to you because, you know, I, I've, I heard that there are different medicines out there that maybe I could change my medicine and I could be on a medicine that maybe doesn't affect my child so much. But I, I know I'm probably going to have to be without the medicine. But I heard that maybe I could be on medicine But in my mind, I was like, I know I'm going to have to be without the medicine and he's going to tell me what are the best things to do to prevent the seizure. Mm -hmm. So he was like, no, 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 you're going to be on medicine. There are different types of medicines. The medicine you're on now, it's a very old medicine that I would not recommend you to be on if you're getting pregnant. But there's a ton of research, like he showed me. You know, thousands and thousands of women got pregnant on this medicine. They had healthy babies on this, like the percentage of everything. And I was like, wow. But still, I was very scared. And I was like, but what if, like, it's a new medicine, but what if I'm not, you know, if I'm like the 5%, 8%? And I had a great, like, time with him. He definitely opened my mind a lot. But I remember walking out and calling my mom right away. And I was like, mom, this is what he told me. I don't know what to do. Like, what if, you know, there's two things. I go without the medicine and I'm 100% sure that my child is safe. Right. But then, this is what my doctor said too. He's like, but then you're going to be freaked out your whole pregnancy. Like, you're not going to want to do anything. Like, if one night you don't sleep well, you're going to think you're going to have a seizure. And there's a huge chance you're going to have a seizure. And if you have a seizure while you're pregnant, you lose your baby or your baby is also going to have like side of, you know, mm -hmm. problems. So, but then on medicine, there's also a chance, a big percent chance that my baby could not be healthy. So it took me a few months, I would say two to three months to like process everything and talk to more people because I needed to make that decision first before starting to try to get pregnant, right? I'm like, you know what? I have such a huge following. There might be so many women out there who have epilepsy, who probably had babies, you know, having epilepsy. What did they do? There are women out there in my position who want to get pregnant, probably, who have a seizure and are scared as me, who maybe, you know, will want to hear my story and like we can have an exchange. So I thought of all that, but still at the same time, so scared to share it. And that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to talk about it. But you talked about it before you made a decision, after you made a decision. No, I talked about it uh before i made the decision that's even scarier yeah to me like i don't know how you go about with you mean big making life decision? decisions and sharing on social media because i feel like personally sometimes and i did it before where i shared something before i made a decision opening those gates for like more opinion and all these True. people you know because everyone is an expert on oh, all things yeah. right so The fact that you did that is very interesting. So how was that? I mean, I didn't even think about that, exactly. which is a very big point. I remember talking to Ikaro, my husband. I'm like, I want to share. Like, mm -hmm. I'm so scared. 
a lot of people are probably going to unfollow me or like you have all these insecurities, crazy, right? But like a lot of people are going to look at me differently, but I need to, like, I, I think it's time for it to like get out of my system and like mm. I need to hear other people. I need them to hear me. And like if I'm able to help one person with my story, I'll be happy. A few more days went by and I decided to share um, and it was the best thing I did. I cried a lot, of course, but after sharing it, the feedback that I got, number one, from people who have epilepsy was insane. Wow. I saw so many people coming out because they tagged me, coming out about their own story, like about, about their own epilepsy or other um, conditions that they had. They felt alone, especially about epilepsy. They felt like, you know, they couldn't talk about it because there's so much stigma. So that made me so happy to see people freeing themselves. Like after I shared Valeria, like I felt like 200 pounds were off my shoulder. You know, that wound that was inside of me, like it was out. Like I remember I spent days and days and days. Like I remember traveling like days on my direct messages, reading stories and I would share like show Ikoro, like look at this story. And most stories about moms, because I shared mm. most of it. I was like, I want to be a mom. I don't know what to do. These are my options. If you were in this position, tell me, like, what did you do? And I got the most beautiful stories, like positive stories. I had three different healthy child children, and I was on medicine. Like most women saying they got pregnant on medicine. So, so then that I was like, okay, make a decision. A hundred percent. Amazing. If I didn't share, I think, I honestly think I would have done it without medicine, mm. which probably wouldn't have been like my pregnancy. I mean, when it you're pregnant, you need to be happy. Pregnant, you need yeah. to be like comfortable. Imagine I would have been freaked out the whole process. And mm -hmm. after sharing, reading all those stories, I was a hundred percent sure of what I wanted to do. And then I, I told my doctor, I was like, okay, I'm ready tell me what the medicine is. And then it was a, another long process of changing medicine. So it took me a while, like the whole process to actually start trying to get pregnant. I did it. And to be honest, like I got pregnant with Kai and I was very scared, very scared. I'm sure it's hard to rewire those intrusive thoughts even, right? Because even if you know what you know, all those beliefs, you know, all the oh, yeah. things keep coming back. Because I think, you know, speaking with other moms, they're like, you're always going to be scared about, you know, you don't want to think about it, but you always think, you know, in the back of your mind. Yeah. I hope my child is healthy, even when you do all the exams and stuff. But mm -hmm. for me, being on the epilepsy medicine, it was an everyday like thought that I had. And I prayed to God every single day. I tried to be positive and I was very positive through my pregnancy. And I think you know, positivity, the energy you bring to yourself and to the universe, mm -hmm. it really, it changes things. And I was very positive. I was positive, but I still thought about it. I thought about it, but I didn't think like he is going to have a problem. You know, I thought about right. it, the scare of it, the fear of it. But, but you didn't like sit in it. No. I was like, he's not, but I thought about it. It would come back to my mind always. But until I gave birth, like I remember when he came out, it was a very, very hard birth, labor day. Um, I think you mentioned it was yeah, 24, 24 hours. hours in labor. I really wanted to have a natural birth, but... Oh, my God. <laughs> I ended up on C-section. Did you have a natural birth? Yes, a natural birth, but with medicine. No, natural, yeah, with, with medicine, but oh, natural okay. meaning like vaginal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I ended up on C-section, and I remember... I don't know why I was so scared, and I think mostly I was scared. I was scared of C-section, but I think I was mostly scared of, like... When he came out, I was mm. still scared. Is he going to be healthy? And I remember, of course, sitting there and the doctor says, and I, I, I hear his cry first. And then he's like, oh, big boy, a big healthy boy. And when he said that, I'm like, and of course, he still needs to go through the exams. You never know 100%. But seeing Kai, you know, running around today, so healthy and filled with energy is I mean, I'm so blessed. It's so interesting, you know, to be honest with you, when I first met you a couple of times, we didn't have an opportunity to chat. And you're always like ooze these, this positivity, warm energy. And I've met people throughout my life that they had that, but it was very 
mechanic in a mm-hmm. way. And but I kept, you know, running into you, meeting you time after time. And I'm just like, wow, that's just the person she is. It feels to me Thank that you. you have such a love for life. You can feel that you have you're deeply in your fate. I can feel it from you. And it's so beautiful to me, the process that, you know, your condition kind of took you through because a lot of people have to go through a lot of things in a, you know, through the course of their lives to get to the point where you're at now, you know, where you are with the gratitude and the love and the light that you you. bring. I know that you recognize it in yourself, but I wanted to tell you because I recognize it in you as well. Thank you. So So it's a really beautiful thing to see. (laughs) Thank you. I, I really try to be positive. You know, there are days that like I always say, there are days we wake up and we're like, why do I feel down? We have no idea why, right? And then that's when we need to count our blessings and realize like, we have nothing to complain about. Some days we do. There are things that are going wrong. And it's okay. You it's complain. It's okay. No <laughs> one's life is perfect. And I love talking about it too on social media because yeah. social media is a problem. Like mm-hmm. it's a filter of everyone's perfect lives, which is not true. Right. We all have problems, but I'm so happy that you see it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk more about, because I don't know about your specific type of epilepsy that you have, but what will trigger it? Like aside from being off medicine is, I know you mentioned like lack of sleep, um, the stress, things like that also may trigger it. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I know the main things that trigger it, which my doctor always told me like, Make sure you sleep well. So sleep, rest, right? It's your brain. It's a vein in your brain that stops working for a second. And it's, we have a seizure. That's my case. If your brain is too overworked, if your brain is... So for me, especially my business, mm-hmm. the type of work that we do, yeah, a lot of times I've had to take a step back or say no to a trip or because I'm overworked or because I'm too tired or too already too stressed or... You know, many things like that, but mainly how tired I always pay attention to myself in general, my body and my mind. Am I getting enough rest? Even now on pregnancy, my husband has been such an amazing present dad and he was so worried always about my mental health and like my well-being, especially after giving birth to Kai because postpartum is not easy. And the lack of sleep is real. Oh, my God. So Ikaro was the type of dad that he was up at night, you know, taking Kai, taking him, giving him to me. We had help, of course, the first two months. But then it was him, like, fully until this day. Like, he, if Kai cries at night, he's a great sleeper. But if he cries at night, he's the one who goes. He's like, I'll go. He goes to the crib. He makes takes care of Kai. And he wants me to sleep. He wants me to rest because he knows, you know, during the day I need to work. I have a busy, crazy day. I also want to be a mom. Yeah. It's something that we're constantly worried about. So lack of sleep, stress, which is two things that I go through. Well, that's the thing. You can't, I feel like that's such a normal part of life now unfortunately like yeah. stress is no longer you know something odd like we all go through it all the time from mini stressors to big ones and especially with their line of work because you know when you're an entrepreneur and you have to show up every single day for yourself for your company for your employees it can take such a huge toll on you and and so much energy out of you so much energy so how did you navigate that like even maybe before you chose this path with your career did you think about oh can this you know condition stop me from doing something at some points I did think that there were moments where I felt I was in places like for example fashion week I was at a party and then my head starts hurting really bad and I'm like oh my gosh please don't let me have a seizure here and I'm like believe me it's gonna happen it's gonna happen like, and then I'm like, okay, I need to get out. And then I leave right away, go to my hotel. I take my medicine. I lay. Like a lot of those moments has happened to me mm-hmm. where I just need to leave wherever like I am. Doesn't matter where I am. I'm just like, I need to go because I'm scared mm-hmm. of having an episode. The Do feeling you- of like, maybe I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Not necessarily like I wouldn't be able to do it because of epilepsy, but I've thought, I might have to limit certain things, right? I might have to prioritize certain things. So maybe travel less or maybe take less jobs or maybe 
you know, especially now with my own brands as well. So, um, and I've done that. And thinking about, it, I was like, damn, but you know, it's my health, and right. that's. I feel priority. like you have you have your perspective at this point. Yeah, it doesn't so. It didn't stop me, but definitely I had to be mature enough and responsible enough to take care of it and prioritize my health over work. Mm -hmm. Because maybe if I didn't, it wouldn't have happened to that, you know, having an episode at a trip or anywhere. So, and Ikaro also, my husband, he's, and those around me, like my whole team today knows about it. And, I'm, and I tell them too, like, if you notice something's off or like, I'm too stressed. Maybe sometimes you're like, but I need to get it done. And you push yourself, right? And then mm -hmm. Ikaro's there like, come on, it's enough. Let's, and if I say I have a, you know, I'm feeling a certain way, he takes care of it. He's like, okay, we don't need to do this today. So it's very helpful when you have, you know, that support. support team, yeah. And like, you know that there are people, loved ones who are also taking care of you. Because sometimes you push yourself. It's hard to stop. Like sometimes you go on autopilot, right? And you kind of like, okay, just one more, just yeah. one more. Or I have to be at this event. I have to show up yeah. there. And it can really catch up to you. It's also a thing to think about, like all of us, right? Because not just, let's take epilepsy out of this, the mm -hmm. story. This was 2019. I had spoken about epilepsy in, in February. I remember in May, this year was really a really good year. 2018 was like, I think one of the best years for me. Like I had done, you know, when you're in a moment, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I've been doing more things that I never dreamed I would be mm -hmm. doing. And I remember in May, I went to the Met Gala for the first time. I was like, this is crazy. Like me and the Met Gala, like things that, you know, I had never even dreamed about. And I remember it was like a month after me going to the Met Gala and like doing great things, da, da, da. I was so depressed not depressed, like that I noticed I was depressed. I noticed that I was, I was having anxiety attacks. Ikaro would come up to me, so he could, we work together. He would come up to me and be like, oh, we closed these things, you know, we have this trip and that. I would just start crying. And then I would just think about all the things I needed to do. Let's go back to it. Like I was at the, professionally, mm -hmm. at the most amazing moment, like of my career. And then it got to a point, I remember that one day we were in a hotel in New York. He told me certain things, jobs that we closed, that amazing things, amazing opportunities. And I just started crying. And then we had a really, really deep conversation. And I realized, I was like, I need to take a few step backs mm. in order to go forward again. Because professionally, this all this is all beautiful. But Camilla like personally is it's, off. Yeah. Like, and then I realized I I needed to say more no's. And I remember that night we had to say really hard no's to certain things. And just clearing off my agenda a little bit and like it made me feel so much better. And then I started, you know, taking more care of myself and like mental mm -hmm. health. And then it's funny because then 2020 came and it was the whole pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was so good for me in a way. I'm sorry that I'm saying this, but and like provided you being that off, yeah. like just off traveling. It was like a breather. I started to, you know, spend more time, like do more th things that I loved and that I wasn't doing enough, like spending time with friends or like taking a walk or like, because I was so busy. Because when you're up here, right, at a professionally, you don't have much time to do certain things, especially personally. Yeah, and you, so you don't prioritize I needed them. that. What I'm saying is sometimes, you know, we need to take a step back in general in our lives to in order to really be happy and, like, look at our priorities. What truly makes me happy? Is it all this work and, like, trying to make other people impressed? And, yeah. You know, or... And for me, it was it was that, like, concentrating... On also, you know, wanting to get pregnant, all those things. So it was a really, really important part of my professional life because I think I, if I kept going, it would have gotten to a point that I would be burned off and just like, mm. I don't know what it would have happened. And especially with epilepsy too, but. Did you ever reach burnout? At that point, that I was, was burned out. Yeah, the closest. Yeah. But I was having, I got to a point that I was having anxiety attacks, which are mm -hmm. not fun. I had a period like that as well. And I'm not, I, I never experienced those before. I never had any incidents in general with mental health. Like mm -hmm. I'm usually pretty aware yeah. when to step away. 
But like you said, you know, with work and especially our line of work, it all looks like such a once in a lifetime experience. This opportunity won't come back again. Like mm-hmm. you just want to jump on all the things. And the crazy FOMO that we used to have. And the like- crazy FOMO. Yes, that was that's great. Yeah, that that was is a big one, I feel, because you see all your friends. I saw a video and- of yours where you're like, I'm too old to. Yes. And then you said all these things. And I'm like, it's so true. Like. Uh, it also, it's part of like us getting more mature, right? And yes. feeling more confident, loving ourselves more. I feel like the mm-hmm. moment we start loving ourselves more, we don't really care about certain things. And it's like, no, yeah, I don't feel really. like it. It's fine. I'm in a great place. But mm-hmm. especially after becoming a mom, like a lot of things got so much better. A lot of things are no longer worth your time, effort. Exactly. Um, yeah. A lot of mental capacity has to be, you know, towards the family. Uh, than anything else. So I'm very thankful for that, for sure. (laughs) That was a big shift for me. Let's talk about your work with advocating Mm -hmm. for epilepsy, awareness that you're trying to bring to it. What is like in your plans? Like, how do you want to expand it? What what would you want it to evolve to? So when I shared my story, the Epilepsy Foundation reached out to me and I became an ambassador. So Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, I have a platform. I would love to talk more about it. And I shared a lot about, you know, my story and other people's stories on social media. So I became an ambassador and then they invited me to become a board member, which I was honored to. And on the board, you know, I've learned so much and there's always, you know, different projects and different things that we're doing throughout U.S. to bring awareness and stigma especially. Um, So... I do think about it, like, how could I be able to help more, right? Mm -hmm. That's a conversation we have as well. Um, Besides just, you know, I know with social media, it's already a huge help. Mm -hmm. Like on Epilepsy Awareness Month, I bring it to my social media and I'm like, let's raise money. So there's researchers being done every single day and there's a lot of money that they Mm -hmm. need to take care of just researchers, right? Besides like helping them raise money and Mostly like what I feel a lot more passionate about is trying to end stigma, like talking more about it. But I want to have something. This is still not there yet. Like mm-hmm. I'm still processing what it is I want to do. But like a program or something that is focused on ending stigma. Because, you know, the research and all of that, they're doing an amazing job. But maybe with my voice and my platform... I could do something bigger, get more voices out there and get more epileptics to be heard, right? Mm -hmm. Because the stigma, maybe you think it's not, like maybe for you, oh, epilepsy, I never thought epilepsy is something bad or like, but there's still such a huge thing where a lot of people think about people who live in very small towns or like that have people around them that judge them when they say they have epilepsy or they can talk about it. And they were like me at a point or they are now, they feel like they they have a problem, right? Because have you of, encountered anything on your journey where you felt like, okay, people are judging me now with this misconception or stigma? After, because I didn't talk about it, I didn't see it as much, but after I had an episode in school, maybe it was me overthinking it, but I felt like, you know, a few people definitely looked at me differently. Mm-hmm. And I heard one thing once at a class that this this girl was like, oh, she has that crazy thing. Like, she probably didn't know exactly because you what just it was. Don't know, right? The conversation I had with my mom. If I didn't have that conversation before mm-hmm. hearing what that girl said, I would have probably cried my eyes out. But I was fine. So that's why, like, I wanted to do something bigger, concentrating on ending stigma, meaning bringing more voice to epilepsy. Like maybe mm-hmm. finding out more like, you know, even like artists or like people who have a voice who have epilepsy. Yeah. Like joining forces to do more, you know, programs surrounding epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So that's an idea I have. I mean, with Kai now, the past year and a half being a mom, it definitely delayed my... I mean, but, take um, your time. You're in yeah. a certain season in your life. Enjoy it fully, right? You but I have. feel like it's definitely in my heart. It's something I want to do for sure. I mean, I always want to bring awareness to it. It's part of my life. I feel it. Like it's part of your life's work. Yeah. Uh, Do you feel like the stigma or just even the misinformation or lack of information is more prominent in 
I mean, you grew up in Brazil. Is it more prominent there than in the U.S.? You feel like in the U.S. there's a bit more conversation on it or? In my mind, I would say probably yes. Mm -hmm. Brazil is very big and there's a lot of like small towns and like there's still a lot of people without internet in Brazil. A lot, which is crazy to think about. So definitely, yes, I think with internet, you know, there's so much knowledge we get from social media, from just, you know, information that we get on online. And uh, so, yes, I think definitely Brazil is probably delayed on on that for sure. But your mission is, because you work with the epilepsy in the U.S. Yeah, but my mission is to speak worldwide. And okay. I think that it would be really cool, especially in Brazil, maybe like getting people together, doing talks in certain areas, like, you know. Yeah, awareness, education. Yeah. I love that. It's Let's happening. make it happen. It's happening. It's, it's, al it's already happening. You put it out there. It's in the yeah, universe. You need to put it out there. <laughs> there are likely a lot of others. I know we've spoken specifically about epilepsy, but like I mentioned, with there's a lot of neurological conditions out there. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of people struggle with self-identity uh, with those conditions. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice you would give someone who is navigating their condition? You know, for me... When I was going through it, the main thing was not talking to anyone about it, right? Mm. So number one, if you are feeling that way, you know, if you need that confidence, you need to feel like, you know, you are special and you are capable, talk to somebody about it. Like, let it out. Your fears, your whatever you, like is going in your, through in your heart, let it out to someone you love and trust and know that, you know, it, it could be, sometimes it's hard having conversations with your parents, right? Certain types yeah. of conversations, maybe your sister, maybe your best friend, because you may think that it won't change anything. But like for me, that little conversation I had with my mom changed my whole life, a hundred percent. So um, I think number one, talk about it, talk about your fears and your insecurities. It's really hard sometimes to talk about your insecurities. It can transform you and uh, believe in yourself always because I'm a proof that like, you know, I come from a very humble background. I talked about it. And today, you know, I'm, I feel very fortunate to be where I am. And I say that, you know, if you believe in yourself, you work hard, you are able to get anywhere you want and mm -hmm. really accomplish your dreams in even more. So I say start like that, mm -hmm. you know, talk about it, be vulnerable and believe in you because you are special. We all have a beautiful light inside of us. We just need to let it shine. It's scary. Mm -hmm. It's scary to expose yourself to the world. I know you mentioned that when you opened up about it on your social media, you felt like a weight yeah. came off your shoulders, but you feel like it also made you more comfortable with being vulnerable? A hundred percent. It's funny. It's a great question because before that, I would not really talk about my insecurities or like, oh, I'm feeling sad today, or like anything little or big. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. I would just talk about the good stuff and the happy stuff. And like, and then after that, I felt so, like it felt normal for me to talk about a bad day or, you know, something I was going through. Mm -hmm. So it gave you permission yeah. to just go It made me there. comfortable with yeah. my following or, or people also around me to, to be vulnerable and to... It's okay, right? I mean, I feel like it's part of the human experience. I think that, you know, sometimes when I speak to uh, my community, they're like, oh, you're so authentic, authentic. And it kind of became a buzzword in a way, you know, now we're using, oh, being authentic is so important. But what is authentic? Like, what does it actually mean? How do you show up, you know? every day as yourself. It's kind of a bigger thing. It's a deeper thing. You have to be very in tune with who you are in that moment and be able to speak your truth and open up, you know, without all these other things that we're trying to portray to the world. Authenticity is this like a daily habit in a way, right? And, and that vulnerability is part of it and opening up is part of it. And that's what really charmed me about your story because your authenticity of being able to open up and talk about these mm -hmm. things and showing all these different sides of your life and parts of your life and uh, your mission of bringing more awareness, like that's your authenticity. Mm -hmm. So that's really, really special. 
Thank you. I know you mentioned support system. You mentioned that your mother was obviously a very important part as well of you just feeling like you are normal. You have everything, mm-hmm. you know, same as everyone else. So are there any particular individuals aside from your mom that you've encountered throughout kind of your journey or resources or experience that helped you develop the confidence in your journey? My husband, 100%. Actually, I was with him already uh, on the episode of the high school episode. Wow. I had just started going out with him. Wait, how long have you guys been married? Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Since I can remember. <laughs> we got married in 2010. So yeah, I was 22. I was very young. And we've been together since I was 17. That's when we met. Being able to talk about this with, you know, he was my boyfriend at the time, but still it's like with your partner, with somebody that, you know, a boyfriend, it's like thinking about it, it would be hard, but he was there. Like when I first met him, I was comfortable talking about it with him. He was mm-hmm. one of the people that like I share my story. And I think he was the one that normalized it the most. He honestly would just be like, the medicine. Like, oh, you're not. <laughs> like he would say it and he does that. He has that like gift of doing mm. that. If you share like on a weakness or like something with him, he would be like, oh, but. That, you know, he he has, and he talks about all the things. He's an Aquarius. He's very smart also. But What's like, Aquarius? What month is it? February. That's beginning. my husband. Yeah? Because I was like, I, I'm about to say. You don't know that what your sign is? Like, <laughs> I know the month, but I'm me and signs, let really? me tell you. I'm like. So wait, do you know yours? My, I am a Virgo. Oh, Virgo. Yeah. What wow. are you? Pisces. You see, I don't know what month Pisces, is it. Pisces, also February, March. So uh, Aquarius is uh January, Feb. February, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm right after. Right. But yeah, logical, puts things in perspective. Yeah, exactly. I feel you. Yeah. And I say, I say, like, he's my um, therapist in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm having a bad day, like, he could start to actually, if I share with him, he starts talking to me and, like, in half hour, 20 minutes, I'm, like, the happiest girl. Like, because right. he just opens up all these things. Like, of course, he stresses me out a lot, too. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. But um, <laughs> I think... You know, my mom, but I feel like he was number one, like through my life, because he's been my, you know, by my side all these years. And yeah, he has been amazing. He has witnessed uh, me having a seizure while sleeping next to him. And I never felt like anything mm-hmm. odd from Ikaro when it comes to epilepsy. He always made me feel amazing about it. I love That's him. That's beautiful. But yeah. He, he was so important. He's been so important in my life and necessary, especially through epilepsy. I mean, to your point, like opening up and talking about it and finding that one person that can be that for you, that can normalize it for you, that can support you uh, through whatever it is, you know, people go through is extremely important. Yeah, I call Gary my life coach. Whenever I'm like, okay, Isn't I need a session. Amazing? I need a coaching session. Is it an Aquarius thing? <laughs> I honestly, I feel like it is. I'm like girls marry an Aquarius. <laughs> and you know, both of us, we work with our husbands, mm-hmm. so it's a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, so I is. always tell Gary, I'm like, you wear all the hats. Yeah. And I'm sure Ikoro wear yes, all the hats exactly. as well. Exactly. So that's beautiful. We Camila. need to double date more. Oh my God, let's do it. Please. And let's uh, let's see how that Aquarius uh, double energy. I already know going. they're going to love each other because I see, you know, Gary's yeah. like videos and I, I know. Okay, it's a date. <laughs> Camila, thank you so much for opening thank up you. and for sharing more. And um, I hope this will bring just more information to people out there and reach more people. I and hope so. We'll start, you know, your next level of your campaign yes. of awareness and yes. Advocacy. Thank you for the opportunity. As you know, I adore you. Thank you. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much for watching this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't miss my newest episode right here. And if you're listening to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, please go and leave a review with your biggest takeaway. I love reading your thoughts. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics, you can leave them in the comment section. And always, always remember, you are not alone.